0: here we are all this, you know, we're parents. So we need to start thinking about, you know, some goals or, you know, how, what we want our family to look like. And Andy said the most interesting thing. He said, I want our family to end up like your family. Mm. And I didn't even know what he was talking about because all I knew, you know, for me, my family was normal. And he said, your family is not normal. Not all adult, kid, families, they don't all want to always want to be together when they don't have to be together. You are listening to the Famous at Home podcast with Dr. Josh and Christy Straub.
1: Because when it's all said and done, we all want to know that we were famous at home. Welcome back to the Famous at Home podcast. Today, we have an amazing interview for you. Before we do, here's a word from our sponsors. Guys, I just want to introduce today our guest, Sandra Stanley. She is, uh, you're going to absolutely love this interview. She and her husband, Andy Stanley, who is the founder of North Point Ministries uh, out of Atlanta. They have a network of eight different churches and uh, 180 churches around the globe. Eight churches in the Atlanta area, 180 around the world that collectively serve over 200,000 people a week. Uh, they have three children, and now also uh, all three of those children are married. They had their first grandchild, but they are on the other side of this journey, uh, as many of us, as many of you listening to the podcast, are on. Many of us are in those uh, early years, we're in the training years, as, as as she'll describe. There are four uh, seasons that she describes of parenting, and you may even be in the season uh, that they're in, where you're empty nesters, your kids are out of the house. You want to listen to this interview. You want to get this book parenting getting it right and it sounds kind of arrogant she'll talk about what the it really means but i just want to welcome her to the podcast she is this interview that ironically enough went twice because i was uh forgot to put the uh SD card in, so we were talking for a while, and then I was like, "No, I can't believe I forgot to do this." And she graciously uh, said, "Hey, let's just re-record because this and because this is fun." And so it was just awesome to be able to have her do that for us. So, without further ado, I want to welcome you to our interview with Sandra Stanley. Welcome back to the Famous at Home Podcast. Today, we have an amazing friend with us, Sandra Stanley. And what's fascinating about this, just to be real, is we were recording here for the last 20 minutes and realized I did not put an SD card in the... <laughs> roadcaster into the thing and we were reco- we were talk- we've had an amazing conversation and it was, we-
0: it's been really fun <laughs> and, Josh. yeah and sandra
1: i just want to thank you for your grace and um giving us a little bit of extra time to be able to record this so sure. i would love for you to start by introducing your family tell us a little bit about your world before we start talking absolutely. about absolutely
0: absolutely okay so andy and i've been married 34 years um He is actually eight years older than me. And so I was a junior in college Uh, when we started dating. And, you know, now in this season, eight years is nothing. But back then it was like, oh, yeah, wait, he's like a man with a job, (laughs) you know? So anyway, so we've been married 34 years. We have three kids, all three married. Um, Andrew, our oldest is 30. He got married in September. He was our last man down. Um, He's a comedian, full-time comedian. That was a curveball, finance degree, out of state tuition, all the things. And now he's a stand-up comedian and he's killing (laughs) it. It's been really, really fun to watch. Um, Garrett is our middle one. He is 28. He's married to Danielle. Um, He's in digital marketing and gosh, we just, they're, they're so fun. Um, Allie, our youngest is 26. She's married to Clay. They are both in ministry and they just gave us our first grandbaby. So that's
1: amazing. We are loving life oh, right now it. with this
0: little three week old. And, um, really, Josh, I could, we could, I, we could just talk about her the whole time, the whole yeah. 30 minutes if you want to. And <laughs> I can hold up pictures to the screen. So, <laughs>
1: you know, it's wild because I think about those grandparents. I hear so many people talking about the grandparenting years, and I'm 43 and we have a two year old. So I'm like, I'm a little bit away from that happening, but <laughs> yeah, I'm like yeah, you're staying a healthy. Away. It uh, So That's yeah, so right. so you guys um this is fascinating. And and what I loved about so you have a brand new book out called Parenting, Getting It Right. And I want to jump in and talk about what it means and even just hear your journey. Um, but before yeah. we do, you talked about your son there. One of the things I loved was that your your children uh endorse the book, and the endorsements on the book reflect the character and the nature <laughs> right. of your relationship with them, which I just think is is really really cool. Like it's
0: pretty funny. I, I think yeah.
1: that endorsement uh, that your uh, that Andrew, your comedian son, put in there was something to the effect of, "Thanks, mom and dad, for making money off of my, you know, yeah, bad stories right. of growing up." And I'm like, "Oh, this is good. Like yeah. this is this is what we yeah, want to see." But in a pa- the
0: irony there, yeah. This is what we yeah, want to see in the a parenting irony book. There we want is, to see
1: parents who have done it, and, and yeah. you see that relationship. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's right. That's right. Well, the funny thing is, half of his content in comedy, I feel like is directed at me. And so I've told him, I said, every time you get paid, I should actually get a cut of that. So
1: (laughs) that is so. No, yes, to
0: your to your point. Fun. We are in the empty nester season, and we are loving life with our adult kids. Um, and you know you talked about the title of the book the title of the book is parenting getting it right which on the surface sounds like gosh that's pretty arrogant sandra sandra and andy think they have all the answers to parenting so the first thing we always say is a we were not perfect parents and b we do not and did not have perfect kids we had all the normal stuff that everybody else has um but we decided and it was kind of interesting how we decided um and i'll I'll quickly tell that story my parents rent a big house on Hilton Head Island every uh, Memorial Day week, and so we all go down there together. And about 30 years ago, we were going down, and we just had Andrew, first grandbaby for my family, and um, and first child for Andy and me, obviously. So Andrew's in the back seat. We're driving along um, I-16 headed to headed to Hilton Head, and we just decided, okay, we, you know, here we are. All this, you know, we're parents. So we need to start thinking about, you know, some goals or, you know, how, what we want our family to look like. And Andy said the most interesting thing. He said, I want our family to end up like your family. Mm. And I didn't even know what he was talking about because all I knew, you know, for me, my family was normal. And he said, your family is not normal, not all adult kid families they don't all want to always want to be together when they don't have to be together you know they're together on holidays because it's expected but they don't necessarily feel drawn to each other and he said i would love for our family to look like that when our kids are older yeah. So that became our it. When yeah. I read that
1: in the book, it reminded me, I, I was like, oh, that is because it, it reminded me early on of my relationship with Christy. And, you know, I'm going on spring break. We were in the dating years and she said, would you want to come to spring break? My family gets together at this house. And I was like, I knew meeting her family for the first time, like it, being with her family for multiple days like that. And for the first time, I was like who are these people? Like they, they, yeah. they just yeah. genuinely, it reminded me so similar to your story. And it was fascinating to me how you guys wanted to put those, uh, it was like, you guys are so high achievers, <laughs> right? You're on that trip, you're on that journey. And and of course, Andy's like, let's put some goals together. Let's put these things together, <laughs> let's talk about this. Yeah. which is amazing. And I, I would love for you to share, because um, there's a lot of moms listening. They're in the early years of mm-hmm. parenting uh, and dads who are in the early years uh, who who listen to our podcast. They're in those, um, you know, younger years to up through the teen years. You guys are on the other side of this. As a mom, how did you walk through those early survival years, those those years yeah. that you were just kind of like? Oh my gosh, like this is, I want to pull my hair out. This is, you know, I'm sure you had those days, right? It's like,
0: how did you speak to families
1: in that season, if you would.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the first things Andy and I learned, and we learned this from several sources along the way, because again, when we had kids, we're, we're both highly motivated by information. We're, we're just both that way. I'm analytical. Andy um, is a lot more creative, but we're both Mm. so highly motivated by information. So we've been in small group, our whole entire marriage with other couples in the same season of life. And that has been, I think, a game changer for us. But we learned early on, again, from several sources, the stages of parenting. And we knew that sounded like it was something important. We did not understand how important it was until we were well into our parenting years. And so let me break down the seasons of parenting because I think the specifics to each one of these seasons is kind of, will kind of answer your question. But in the first season, Um, first stage of parenting are the discipline years, like zero to five years old. And these are the years where we're teaching our kids that there are consequences for their actions, for their good, for their safety. We just need them to obey. And in this season, consistency is the key. And that can be super exhausting, you know, especially, you know, for the parent that's staying home, which often is the mom. So these young moms, you know, it it can be so exhausting. Um, The training years of the next season, that is five to 12 years old and we transition a little bit. These are the years where we're really beginning to put the why behind the what in what we're teaching so our good. kids because our kids, yeah, they're able to reason a little bit more. And so we start reasoning with them and explaining. We're explaining while we're training in this season. And then the coaching years, you know, everybody's always a little concerned about that, you know, the teenage oh. years coming. The coaching years 12 to 18. And And this is where we're actually standing on the sidelines a little bit more. We're kind of coaching them while they're learning to make some independent decisions. And, you know, like a coach, we yank them off the field, you know, from time to time. Super fun to do that. (laughs) They always have a really good attitude about it. Um, But we're letting our kids in this season experience more of the natural consequences of their actions because we all know, even in the young kids' season, natural consequences are a much better teacher than simply taking things away from our kids or or whatever um but parents in this season are focusing more on connecting with their kids over correcting so connection over correction in this season and and that's just huge and then fifth um the the fourth um, stage is the friendship years and that's like 18 years on. And that's where we are now with our kids. And it is awesome. I told you earlier, if we didn't know our kids and we met them, we'd want to be friends with them. We just like them. And they seem to like each other, which I promise you, there were seasons and times and weeks and months where I thought it's going to be good if our kids even make it out of this season alive without (laughs) me killing them or them killing each other. So our home was so real. It was so real, just like everybody else's. Um, But on this side of it, there just really are some principles that I think, and Andy and I decided, um, contribute to having these kinds of relationships on the other side of the parenting journey. And that was our it. That Uh, became our it. Our just parenting toward the relationship became our bullseye on the target.
1: And you write this, and I love this. It says, kids who enjoy being with us and with each other, even when they no longer have to be. Like yeah, that that's is right. the, That yes. is it. And it reminds me, we were in our closet. It's the smallest room in our entire house uh, yeah. is our closet. And Christy and I were getting ready for bed uh, the other night. And we have all three of our kids, 10, 8 and 2. And the dog, our, our crazy yeah. golden doodle copper. Like he's he's everyone is laying on the floor playing a little game and playing with these toys I with our 2 year And Christy and I are kind of like moving in and around them. They're right at our feet. But I had a moment where I stopped. And it was funny because like the next day I was telling Christy this and she said, I was thinking the exact same thing, but we didn't say it in the moment. <laughs> but it was like we yeah. both stopped and we just yeah. breathed it in. It was just like we took yes. a deep breath of going. Our children love being with us and they love being together. And this, mm-hmm. there is no joy in my life that's of right. anything else that I do in a day than experiencing yep. that type of moment. And that's uh, why you I are love so this. right.
0: The, you are so right. And, you know, I, I think about that all the time and I watch my kids interact with each other. And in this season, I'm watching my kids choose each other mm. and, you know, and, There, Like you said, there is no joy that is deeper in our hearts. And honestly, Josh, I think this is a reflection of our heavenly father in us, because as he, you know, if you walk with Jesus through the gospels, you hear him focus and focus and focus on relationship. And he says to us, he says, you know what, my goal for you is to look for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And we're all, you know, we are his children. And when he sees us interacting with each other in ways, I just think it brings him joy. And that is the joy that we feel in our parenting. When we watch our kids choose each other, treat each other with respect, and just when we watch them love each other. And, you know, again, it's a bumpy ride along the way. We see glimpses of it while they're while we're still parenting. But when we get to the other side and they're adults and it is solidified in their hearts and they choose each other, there is just no greater joy than that.
1: I think that's what John was getting at. There's no greater joy than to know yeah. that your children are walking in truth, right? Like it's like That's
0: uh, exactly right.
1: I just uh total side note. I just got finished reading a, a book called Imagine Heaven by a guy named John Burke and it is he took oh. corroborating evidence of like near-death experiences from all a- around the world over the last number of decades and he filtered it through scripture and what does the bible say about it it gave me it it the the crux of the book is exactly what you just said at the end of life Mm. our accomplishments don't matter our trophies don't matter Mm -hmm. what mattered in all of these life reviews all these people's experiences of heaven was that how well did you treat people how well did you love how well did you love other people
0: everything else falls away everything else falls away yeah yeah, it's yeah it really so good. Does.
1: We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to talk with Sandra a little bit more specifically about how she uh, engaged each one of these specific seasons of parenting. Yep. All right, Sandra, um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about the uh, behavior modification. You talk about behavior modification yep. not kind of being this um, end-all, be-all as it relates to the relationship with your kids and I would love right. for you to share some maybe phrases you guys had in your house, some ways that mm-hmm. you, uh, really geared their hearts towards relationship, even when they weren't acting relational.
0: Right. Oh, <laughs> great question. <laughs> Cause there was a lot of that. Um, yeah, we, we do talk a good bit in the book about behavior modification, not necessarily being the goal. Obviously, if our goal is relationships, if our, our, you know, the way India and I stated our it or our goal is we want to parent in such a way that our kids want to be with us and want to be with each other, even when they no longer have to be. So if that's our bullseye on the target, if that's our goal, behavior modification isn't necessarily the pathway to get there. We decided parenting with the relationship in mind is a pathway to get there, and certainly behavior modification is a piece that's on the table at all at all times. You know, we have lots of tools in our toolbox, and that's one of them. Um, but we wanted to parent our kids in such a way that we had these relationships and that they were able to have healthy adult relationships for the rest of their lives. The relational piece isn't just about us, it's about our kids having marriages where they have great relationships, about parenting their own kids, and the way they can have great relationships on the other side of it. Having restored, understanding how to restore broken relationships as they get older. Um, And we all know with our kids almost in any arena, the stakes get higher and higher the older they get. And so in those early years, we began using words with our kids that we knew they couldn't fully understand, but they became part of the vocabulary of our family. Things along the lines of, um, of, for, you know, forgiveness and um, you know, just, just understanding how to restore a relationship and even at times figuring out how to provide restitution that rebuilds a relationship. So we didn't use all those words all the time, but as our kids were able to understand, we began to use words like that more and more. And you probably have experienced this. One of the things that we think is so important in relationships is helping our kids learn how to apologize. I mean, that sounds yeah. like a simple thing, but, you know, anybody that's parented a kid who's older than five years old, they know when you tell your child to apologize, they look at the person they've offended and they say, sorry. Yeah, you know, it's just—it's yeah. yeah. not exactly hard. I'm just doing Naturally, what mom and dad told me to uh, do. That's exactly right. I'm just doing it because I have to. I'm not really sorry. That's right. Um, so one of the things that we required of our kids early, early on, even in those discipline years and that discipline season, was to look at the person they offended and say, "Andrew, I am so sorry I kicked over your sandcastle or whatever it would be." I hope you can forgive me. And we help them understand the process of apologizing, the process of receiving forgiveness, and then the process of restoring the relationship. And sometimes that includes restitution and we help them understand that. And this was a pattern that we instituted in our family through all the different seasons and it looked different in different seasons. Um, Fast forwarding to the teenage years for just a second, I feel like Andy's most brilliant Parenting moment, and we talk about it in the book, yeah, yeah. was when Garrett was super disrespectful to me about something. And you know, as your kids get older, you don't necessarily have to discipline immediately like you do in the discipline years. You know, when your kids are young, you have to discipline immediately. You have to be consistent. All of those things. Those things kind of changes as our kids get older. But Andrew and Garrett Garrett knew he was in big bad trouble because one of our primary rules was, you know, you honor mom in mm-hmm. our home. And thankfully, that was Andy's yeah. rule. <laughs> and um, so. He knew he had just you know life might be over for him as he had known it before <laughs> And so you know, they sat down, had a conversation and Andy said, "Wow, you know, I didn't see this coming, and so I'm just need some time to think about you know what what we're going to do about this And so meanwhile, he's sweating bullets, you know, for like two days because Andy's just taking his time. Wow yeah and so yeah, finally he uh, and really, if you're going to, um, help your kids understand restoration and restitution. It takes time. It's not as simple as, Hey, give me your keys or, you know, you know, hand me your phone. It takes a little more creativity, a little more energy, burns a few more mental calories, but it is so worth it. And so what Andy decided, he told Garrett, he said, Garrett, here's what you got to do. You're going to have to ask your mom out on a date, take her to a nice restaurant, buy her dinner and ask for her forgiveness. Now, the truth is I forgave the kid the minute he drove out the driveway. I mean, I, yeah. he's my heart, you know, they all are, are, you know, we just, we love our kids. It's so easy to forgive our kids. Um, but this was really more for Garrett. So, you know, I think his initial response was, Oh my gosh, dad, please just, you know, just take my truck, you know, just, you know, <laughs> do, it. do I have to do that? So um, sure enough, Garrett said, Hey mom, would you let me take you to dinner tonight? And I said, okay, I would love that. So we go, we went to Macaroni Grill. I can remember every detail about it. We're sitting there. I can't even remember the shirt he was wearing. It was such a precious oh. moment. We're sitting in the restaurant. And he just looks at me in the eyes because we had, you know, that was one of the things we taught our kids through the coaching and the training years. You look somebody in the eye, and you state what you did, and you ask for forgiveness. And he said, "Mom, I was so disrespectful to you, and I just want to ask for your forgiveness." And I said, "No, I'm mad. So <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> you know, I did. I mean, I was yeah, melted yeah, into yeah. a puddle. Yeah. On oh the, my God. You know, on the oh seat of this restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, so here." It was, of course, I had already forgiven him, but our relationship was restored on both ends. It was no longer awkward for him. And it was certainly wasn't awkward for me because our relationship was restored and he had taken me to dinner and spent his own money and bought me dinner, which is, you know, not exactly restitution, but it, it smacks of that. And yeah. and so just helping our kids understand those principles served them so well throughout yeah. their lives. They began to understand it's not just, hey, sorry, it's, here's what I did. My heart is kind of broken over it. Would you please forgive me?
1: Yeah, and what's so fascinating about that, Sandra, is I think we have to pay attention to how we're doing that as parents ourselves. Like in regard to, exactly, I mean, you think about this, and I I think what happens is, is we end up, we came from a generation, I think, generally speaking, uh, this is probably anecdotal, but I, I've seen it over and over and over again, that we grew up with parents who were more correcting than connecting where discipline was very mm-hmm. important right and it's like we right. want to be correcting 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 and i think we i think we measure our parenting how we feel about how we're parenting based on are we disciplining well and and so right. therefore making that shift from correcting to connecting i think is difficult for a lot of us and yeah. and i think the component of that for us is to Make sure that we're apologizing as well, that we are stepping Mm -hmm. in and and that we're modeling. You know, it's fascinating to me with a 10, 8, and 2-year-old how we mirror. It's it's a great teacher for me to teach my 10 and 8-year-old how our son, our 2-year-old Micah, is mirroring their behavior. And so, yeah. coaching them to go, hey, listen, they're in the training phase of this, but yeah. we're training them to go. Do you see why he just did that? He did that because he sees you yeah. do that. But that same reflection is in our ten and eight year old when they're acting a certain way, and I'm going, oh my gosh, that was me. I did it that way, yeah. and now they're reflecting. It's like parenting becomes this mirror. How did you guys does. like? How did you guys uh, handle those situations as as your kids were growing yeah. up, and 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 ultimately. How did that reflect Jesus in in terms of how you pointed them to Jesus along the way?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, one of our goals in parenting was for our kids to own their faith. That was one of our big goals is, you know, at the end of this parenting journey, we don't want their faith to be something that rests on tradition or something that's just kind of mom and dad's thing or even even the right thing. You know, we wanted them to have a relationship with their heavenly father, that was rich and that would would serve them well their whole life, and and you know all those things that we want um, as parents. And so we were on our knees a lot. And one of the things we prayed with our kids constantly was, "God, would you give us the wisdom to know what to what to do, and the courage to do it, no matter what people think?" Um, that was just one of our prayers. We prayed from so, the time man. they were little biddies. God, would you give us the wisdom to know what to do, the courage to do it no matter what people think, which became a really big deal as they got older. Cause sometimes they would be the only ones, you know, only ones doing something. Yeah. But, um, but that was, the, that was a super big deal to us. We really wanted them to understand that. Um, and I just lost track of what your actual question was. Just how you guys, to, well, no,
1: it's great. Yeah. Just, just how you guys modeled forgiveness or how you guys would have modeled. Oh, yeah. yeah as, right. Uh, in own, right. In your own, in your own miss mishaps and mess ups and, sure. and your own sin and, in your parenting. Yeah. It,
0: In our own prayer times on our knees, which is where I was going, I lost my train of thought. In our own prayer times, that's when we get convicted about stuff. And, And, you know, that's when we go to our kids and we model what it looks like to ask for their forgiveness. There were plenty of times where we just, you know, we just did not parent correctly. You know, there were plenty of times we had to ask forgiveness. And I think it's such a powerful thing, even when our kids are little, even in that discipline season of life, zero to five, to look at your child in the eye and to say, hey, you know, mommy was so impatient and I am so sorry. I hope you can forgive me, you know, to to move in the direction of asking forgiveness of our own, of our children. And it models what that looks like. And it models that this isn't something I'm going to outgrow, you know, apologizing yeah. isn't just for kids. It's for everybody. And again, it serves them so well in those, you know, in those seasons, in those seasons later, the other thing that we taught our kids as it related to the forgiveness piece was, you know, often i think we t- we when we're apologizing to someone we ask for their forgiveness and we try to help our kids understand you know we we offended someone and we don't get to dictate how long it takes for someone to move to a to a healthy place of being able to forgive us so changing our words a little bit from would you please forgive me to i hope you can forgive me became something that we did with our kids because you know, we, it helps us That's underline a, the fact that we have hurt someone and we just don't get to dictate how long they feel their pain. <laughs> so there's so many little aspects to forgiveness that when we model it, we can show them what it actually should look like.
1: I I love it. And I like, to me, that piece, I hope you forgive me puts it on them, right? It's this sense of, yeah, no, yeah it's that to teach our kids that this is, this is up to you to be able to do that, you know?
0: Right. I want right.
1: um you you talk about three dynamics that affect how your kids hear what you say, and I think so often the way that we speak as parents is really really important. Why should we stop to consider the weight of our words?
0: Mm. Um I want to tell you a quick story about my dad and um so my dad was a marine, eagle scout, you know, lieutenant colonel. Georgia Tech graduate I mean you know, my dad is just he's not a man of a ton of words but when Andrew was about he wasn't even a year old he was still doing baby food. so whatever however old that was I can't remember now he's in his high chair my dad had come to Atlanta for an event he was having to see about and he had spent the night and he came downstairs and I had Andrew in his high chair and I'm feeding him you know his mush that you feed you know kids when they don't have teeth yet um so I'm feeding him. Dad's sitting there drinking his coffee, just kind of watching, and we're having conversations. And he looked at me and he said, Sandra, you're a real good mom. And those words, I mean, that that's great. You know, somebody can tell you you're a good mom. That's great. My dad's words weigh a thousand pounds with me. Mm. And I think that's probably true of almost any kid in any season, even when they're pretending like their parents' words don't matter. Parents' words weigh a thousand pounds. And even me as an adult, I can remember the room. I can remember the high chair. I can remember what Andrew looked like. I can remember where my dad was sitting. And it wasn't what he said. It was who said it. Hmm. And with us as parents, we have to constantly remember, no matter how our kids pretend or, you know, seem to respond, our words weigh a thousand pounds with their kids. And if we can remember that and let that dictate how we talk to our kids, our tone with our kids, um, all of those things, it makes all the difference because our kids, you know, Andy and I always laugh when we start a new small group because we've got, you know, new couples, we're all sitting around somebody's living room and we share our stories And almost 100 percent of the time, part of someone's story, even, you know, in our 50s, part of people's stories are their relationships with their parents and things their parents said or did not say to them when they were growing up. So, you know, parenting years are zero to 18 years old, but our words in that season of a of a human being's life carries at least until their fifties. That's as far as I know for sure. But I think for the rest of our lives. Wow. And so our words are so important. The weight of our words is so important and matters so much.
1: It's so good. And I, I you know, it's fascinating that the very first thing that a counselor is going to ask you about is your relationship with your parents when you step into a counseling right. office, right? Like the power That's right. Of, and I think there's a degree to which when John wrote, uh, we love because he first loved us. Our mm. ability to love other people is a reflection of how much we have received love. And, and a that's lot right. of times that's perception and it's perception yeah. of, of, you know, our parents are trying to love us a certain way, but maybe it's not coming across the way that we had hoped. And, and I right. think even just that, that relational nature of you guys and the way that you're parenting I just think it's so beautiful. Like one of the things you even said, and I just have two quick questions before we close. There was one of the things that you said is your ability to be able to hold the tension, to hold tension, Mm -hmm. to not argue with your kids. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, these are some of these, some of these things are like, Like, you're like, wait a second, what? Uh, Yeah, your tips on influencing your kids include never arguing with them, choosing to live with tension, and understanding. And this is the key in what what we just spoke about. You don't have the same relationship with your kids as they have with you. And that's exactly right. And I think that leads to can you just speak to those couple things as part of the relational foundation to success with your kids? Yes.
0: It, you know, it it really is so important to understand our role as parents as it relates to our words. And those three things are so, are, are just super important. The whole idea of just allowing there to be tension. Um, sometimes us not saying something makes us have to carry the tension because we know what we want to say. And again, it goes back to the seasons of parenting and the seasons of, of parenting can inform What we should or should not say and something that we say during the training years, perfectly appropriate during the discipline. I mean, during the coaching years, we might have to dial it back a little bit and not say the thing. And we have to be comfortable in that tension. And then the idea of not arguing with our kids, you know, we had we had. all three of our kids have completely different personalities. And one of them was an arguer. And he, you know, could have been an attorney if he wanted to, because he could argue so well. (laughs) And as our kids got older, any of the main tensions were things that I allowed Andy to handle with our boys, because I've never been a boy. And I don't understand how their minds work necessarily. So at some point, I handed that over to Andy a little bit. I know that's not Um, possible for all families you know dads aren't available or or present in the home all the time and so that's not necessarily the way it could be but Andy was so good at not arguing and this Mm -hmm. particular kid tried so hard to pull Andy into an argument because he wanted to debate it because he knew he was right and Andy would be so comfortable with just listening just listening and repeating back and saying okay so here's what you're saying and well, here's what we're going to do and and say and, and understand there's going to be tension there. This kid is not going to like this answer, but I'm willing to just let us all just carry this tension because this is the right decision. So not being baited into an argument. I think my personality would tend to just hand it back and let my volume match the volume of the other person. Oh yeah. And yeah. um and I, you know again that's my temperament it wasn't Andy's temperament so this was a little easier for him but if but there's never any advantage to matching volume or to matching argue you know the the, ten, the what happens within an argument. The parent is the parent and we have a unique relationship and to your to the third thing you mentioned our relationship with our kids is not the same as our kids relationship with us. And if we take just a second to think about our relationships with our parents, we know that's true. But in our minds as parents, we think we don't realize it as much and recognizing I am the parent. He's the kid. She's the kid. What does that mean in this relationship? Our relationships are not equal and they are not the same. So what does that mean for me in this moment as we're trying to navigate um, attention?
1: Oh. That is so good because I think a lot of times, it, you know, it, what's fascinating is this research study was done a couple of years ago, but it said that over 50 some percent of millennial parents wanted to be BFFs with their kids. And it Ugh. was just this idea that it's like, no, you're that that can get there, but it won't get there. Yeah. And th- the fascinating part about that is that there was other research that showed that parents who raise their kids with B as BFFs as adult children, they they resented their parents more than any other parenting style. That's
0: exactly right. And we've seen it just in in doing life with a lot of families, in youth ministry, because we were in youth ministry for so many years, and then just watching our own kids' friends and the dynamics in their families. The ones who tried to be friends too early before the friendship season arrived, yeah. they really do not have healthy adult relationships with those kids. Um, it's almost like you trade being friends then versus friends now. And we say in the book, later is longer. You want to parent in such a way that the later is where you reap the, you know, the law of the harvest, you reap the benefits later is longer. And so that, and that's again, the beauty of the seasons of parenting and parenting to the specific state stages. Um, You will get to friendship years. And it doesn't mean you can't be friends with your kids. I mean, you're going to do stuff together. You're going to have fun together. You're going to do the things that feel very friendly, but, at the end of the day, particularly when there's tension, you are the parent, and they are the kid, and you've got to remember what your role is. You know, and what you're parenting toward.
1: I love that. Uh, I want to close with this last thought, and I think it just speaks to your humility as parents. It speaks to the power of what we need to do as families. But you guys are still in a small group. That we are. You're still yeah. in a small group, and you're in a small group that uh, engages about raising adult children, or not raising them anymore, but relating to your yeah. adult children. Speak to the importance yep. of surrounding yourself with other godly humans on this journey.
0: It is everything, Josh, as you know, it is everything. So many of the seasons that we have been in, either hard seasons for us or hard seasons for other people, our small group was has just been our lifeline for connection, for care, for just praying for each other, for praying for our kids. It has been huge. And um, even in this season— um, we, we did Jim Burns book, uh, live doing life with your adult children, leave the welcome mat out and your mouth shut. <laughs> and it was a great book. We had so many fun conversations because we've got so many different dynamics going on with six different couples with everybody with multiple kids. Um, it was just really a fun thing to do. So we don't always talk about parenting adult children. I mean, you know, we move on and do a book of the Bible or different things, but small group for us has been everything. And it's kind of counterintuitive for the busy seasons of life because you think, oh my goodness, this is the crazy season. This is a season where we have to say no to stuff. Small group is not the thing to say no to. Mm. It is, you know, say no to the other stuff. Don't say no to small group. Small group was, I mean, it can be a lifeline. And surrounding your people, yourself with people in different seasons of life, um, that, that are navigating some of the same stuff and on the same journey is just, it's just powerful, super, super powerful.
1: I love that. Y'all, I just want to thank you, Sandra, for joining me for doing this two times instead of just one. And, um, (laughs) uh, uh, guys, I want you to go make sure you get parenting, getting it right by Andy and Sandra Stanley. I mean, this is a, these are the people we seek out in our real lives are the people who have been on the other side. They are on the other side. And uh, I encourage you to get this book because this is an opportunity for you to get into somebody else's world and learn from those who have gone before you um, in in, 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 just in an, an amazing way and in a relational way and in a way that I genuinely believe is the, I think you're it, is our it. And I, I think it's the biblical it in, in a lot of ways. And I know everybody's going to have their own it, but, um, yep. I'm just, uh, I am so thrilled, uh, that this conversation happened. Check out the show notes for okay. anywhere that you can get this book. And Sandra, thank you again so much.
0: Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Absolutely.
1: it. Thank you. Keep in mind until next week that the greatest red carpet you will walk is through your front door.